You are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Guys, you ready to do this review? All we're waiting for is... Wait a minute. Didn't we have a fourth person? Do you guys remember... Maybe it's just me. I I have a vague memory of of a guy named Chris. Was there a guy named... Oh, fuck. We've had another time shift again. Oh, well. That's just how it goes nowadays. Time shifts. You just get used to them. Am I right? People just come and go out of your life, and it's like they never happened. Uh, I guess I should catch you guys up to speed in case you don't know what's happening about in the state of the world. Time travel is a thing now, and the richest dirtbags in the world can just go ahead and undo time whenever the fuck they want, and no one can stop them. Or even wants to, and everybody treats time travel issues like, I don't know, like just a bad spot of weather. I am talking about a brand new movie from Academy Award winning screenwriter, TV showrunner, comic book author, novelist, blogger, man of many trades... John Ridley, uh, with a film that he's made called Needle in a Time Stack. And yes, it does involve time travel. To join me today to talk about it are my guests, Tessa. Hello, hello. And Neil. I feel like I've been doing this again and again and again. Right? And again. (laughs) Amongst his many, many other accomplishments, I think John Ridley may have actually learned how to manipulate time because he somehow managed to make a film that's under two hours feel like it took me half a day to watch. Uh, oh boy, did I spoil my review already? Perhaps. Perhaps. But then again, you know, we'll do some timey-wimey shit and it'll be like it never happened. So, Needle in the Time Stack revolves around the character uh, played by the talented actor Leslie Odom. He plays Nick, who works in an architectural firm. He is married to Cynthia Erivo, who plays Janine. They're deeply in love. They have a great relationship. They have this beautiful home. A a lovely dog is a pet. Everything seems great. You know, they're going about their lives, and they're talking about, you know, gee, what it would have been like if we hadn't met. And, you know, I feel like even if we had never met, I'd still love you. And then the next day, he's at a meeting, and suddenly... Basically, water starts appearing everywhere. Apparently, this is how time is represented in this movie. Every time there is a time shift, there's this wave of CGI water effects that run through the environment, and everybody goes, oh shit, we had a time shift. Usually, nothing too major happens, but sometimes you just wake up one day and you realize that things are different, and everyone starts reaching for their phones to call their homes and say, hey, you know, do we still have kids? What, you know, what's going on? And nobody seems too weirded out about this It's because it's become so normal. I don't see how they haven't outlawed time travel because you know there's got to be something that happened to a politician or something in their life changed drastically. So they're like, okay, maybe we should do something about all this time jaunting. I know, right? Oh, we're getting to that. Okay. Oh, believe me, we are getting to that. But I'm glad Tessa mentions that. 
It's called Jaunty, which makes it sound even more trivial than it is. It's basically rich assholes get to have a little vacation in time. They can go to any specific point in time. They're supposed to stay on the path and not fuck with anything, but of course they do. And everybody else in the world suffers as a consequence. One morning, Nick wakes up and realizes that Janita's gone. And he seems to be a little confused because he wakes up to the perfectly lovely uh, Frida Pinto as his brand new wife. And he seems to be concerned because, hey, didn't we used to have a dog, but now it's a cat? And I feel like I knew you, but we weren't in another life. We weren't actually together. And, oh, I know what it is. It's my rich best friend from college whose girlfriend I stole. Mm. This is getting really convoluted, so I'm going to let you guys get into it. Maybe you can help me make a little more heads or sense of this particular plot. I thought it was an interesting concept, but just executed in a way that, I don't know, just there was nothing really believable that, that this is a thing that they would allow people to do. It's just like, promise? Promise you won't mess with the timeline? They just do like a intro, like an uh, an interview with people before they go and time travel. And honestly, people would just like lie and be like, oh, yeah, I just want to do this just because. And then, you know, they make Nazi Germany win or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, they sign a disclaimer, which felt like the company was like, well, we can't be sued. No oversight. And that, that was it. I, I told yeah, this was the calmest, violent, underneath the surface time travel movie ever and it took forever to get there and i just thought of this his name's nick nick of time um i didn't even until you said that i didn't think of it and when they called it jaunting it made the only other time i've really heard that is stephen king's short story the jaunt which is not about time travel but travel but it does make it sound lighthearted, and i couldn't believe we didn't get more of how is this super dangerous thing still going on? Mm-hmm. And then they, they sell time insurance in this world, right. which isn't that good. <laughs> Not at the mall, at least. Uh, none of that made sense. This was such a slow, I wouldn't even say burn. I wouldn't even say smolder. I mean, I I got I really enjoyed like, like the last 60 seconds, <laughs> but it was such work to get there. And it did feel like half a day, Marco, to get for a movie about Same. time traveled. Time did not move at all. We didn't get a TARDIS. We didn't get a fin- a great machine like H.G. Wells' Time Machine. We got a couch and a glass of liquid and a waiver. Yeah. I've seen plenty of films that have some kind of sci-fi concept, but they don't really address it. It's just kind of there, like, hey, this is a world where, say, for example, time travel works, or... I don't know, we live with... Cyborgs? Cavemen, whatever. There was a zombie apocalypse. We don't see those things. We're just told that they happened, and it's really just a springboard for the filmmakers to tell a story. Mm -hmm. It's not about how we got to this point. It's what people do after they find themselves living in this new world. And that can create some interesting drama. But the problem with this movie, and you guys have pinpointed it, No matter how engaged you want to be with this movie, at the back of your head, you're always thinking, why is somebody allowing this to happen? I mean, if there were time travel, do you think... Money. Just money, Marco. Gotta get that green. Yeah, but no, if there were time travel, every fucking government in the world would have already seized the technology and held it for themselves. They're not gonna let just any asshole fuck with time. It's ridiculous. Time Cop handled all this so much better of why and that there was even a bureau to to maintain it and that the government kind of controlled it and that was it and if a rogue happened they were 
on it mm-hmm. as fast as they could. This is like, can you mortgage your house? Cool. You can go back. Mortgaging your house. It's so engaging in plot. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing that threw me. They're like, only the very wealthiest people can afford this. Nick says, I'm not rich, but he lives in this enormous, beautiful glass building that looks like it comes out of Architectural Digest. It's enough that he can mortgage it and pay off this one quick jaunt into the past to where he can reset his life, he thinks and bring his wife back. What happens is that he is angry at his best friend from college, played by Orlando Bloom, who he is convinced is trying to tear him and Janine apart. The Orlando Bloom character was once dating her. They were married. She got divorced. It's kind of implied that Nick was sort of involved with that divorce happening. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, look, yes, he's my ex-husband. I still care for him. But you and me, we're together forever. You know, this is this is our thing. You don't have any reason to be worried about. And then, of course, he begins to grow right. suspicious, not only of the Orlando Bloom character. He starts to accuse Janine of manipulating time behind his back. It's not a good look. The truth is, Nick is a horrible protagonist. That's why this doesn't work. You know, he's such a bland, sad sack, unhappy emo boy. There's just no fun in this movie, and you never feel really engaged with him. Everything that happens to him is kind of his own fault. Sort of. There is a, what's it called? A time waiver or whatever it's called. It does happen, and it does disrupt his marriage. So, I mean, Tommy probably did do that one. Well, we don't know, and and they all forget it. Mm -hmm. I do like the little trick of Nick goes back and, without knowing it, does what potentially Tommy did to him mm-hmm. by, oh, you guys are really great together. I think you're supposed to be together. Dun, dun, dun. Like, mm-hmm. th- and again, the calm, not violent at all time travel movie, he did potentially what Tommy did to him without even knowing it. I just, I have to change something. And being with Alex is not it. I don't know what it is, but it's not this. That's what I'm talking about a movie that isn't interested in engaging with the sci-fi aspect. It's really just trying to build a character study by pushing people into these extreme situations that would only exist within the context of a genre film that involves time travel. John Ridley, like I said before, the man has a very deep resume. The guy's done a lot of work, and he also writes for DC and for Marvel. This guy knows genre. He understands sci-fi. But if I didn't know that, I would swear this was made by somebody who had never seen a time travel movie or had and just thought they're dumb. He's like, oh, yes, I'm making a time travel movie, but my movie's about real stuff. It's about sad people and relationships. Like, okay, I guess. That's a good description. Sad relationships that just get reset by, you know, time travel. The, The interesting thing, at least for the moment it does get interesting, is that When we realize that there's been a time shift, we, the audience, know that Nick has lost Janine. He wakes up next to Frida Pinto, which, you know, hey, that's not bad either, but he's not totally comfortable with it at first. But over time, you see that he does grow to love her. And the danger is the longer the time shift is allowed to remain unfixed, the more you forget the past until he ends up going to a mall and buying time insurance where you basically an archive that you can store all of your memories to in the event of a time shift, which of course anyone with any sense will go, what's a time travel movie? There's an obvious way this could go wrong. And of course it does. 
Yeah. Watching this and talking to Marco before we started recording, I'm just like, what are some like really fun or engaging sci-fi romantic time travel movies? And there's a few. And most of them star Rachel McAdams, apparently. But one of them that doesn't uh, that I really liked was uh, Kate and Leopold with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> that one's fun. <laughs> yeah, but that's a man out of time. Did he go back and change time? Mm, yeah, that's he's out of time. He's he's time traveled. He hasn't gone back to change. But my stipulation was time travel romance doesn't necessarily have to change it. Fair. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back in time, I would make this movie better. Uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is this movie was shot three years ago mm. and apparently took over a year and a half to complete editing. And I get it. Watching this movie, I can definitely feel somebody in a cutting room going, man, this ain't working. Let's keep trying. Let's let's see if we can make it better. Let's cut it down. Maybe there's some stuff that's missing that might have made it work, but I doubt it. On that note, let's head into our final thoughts. Neil, kick us off, please. I went in blank with no expectations, and it met all of them. Uh... <laughs> A time travel movie that, that seems to suspend time while you watch it, but not make sense while it's happening. Um, like I said, I did I did like the last 60 seconds because it was a payoff on a line we had heard a few times. Almost a payoff. I'll say that. Almost a payoff. But other than that, like, no one's really... I mean, even when you talk about Nick getting upset, his voice gets a little bit louder. That's it. We don't see any emotion out of anybody really in this um i can't recommend this we've talked about i mean time after time somewhere in time Mm -hmm. just about any other movie with time in the title you're gonna have a better time with (laughs) than this one so just search imdb for time and pick any any of them and you're gonna do better than this um i'm gonna give this three out of ten cats that used to be dogs Tessa? Yeah, I definitely echo what y'all have been saying about it. The runtime, the editor probably having quite a job in front of them and not knowing what to cut, what not to cut, as far as like having goalposts for or signposts for where they are and which loop. I feel like that was probably kind of tricky for the editor to know like, oh, I can cut this out and it'll still make sense and people will know what kind of loop they're in basically i I feel like those goalposts could have been a bit more obvious other than cat or dog and i i don't know i mean yeah everybody's mood or expression or acting was pretty mellow as fuck it was very chill (laughs) as far as that's concerned i think the most uh the character that was the most like exuberant was uh was it jaden wong yeah. She probably had the most personality out of everybody in this um, and emoted the most. She's the one bright spot in the movie. Yeah. So I got to say she was probably the one that had the best acting chops in this as far as like range goes. I mean, Orlando, Orlando Bloom's probably the bigger name for me in this. Some of the others I wasn't as familiar with because I hadn't seen Hamilton yet. I don't know. Like this really did just drag and didn't have some of the hallmarks that you have in a time travel movie the time travel machine you know something going horribly awry like something maybe you weren't even attempting to do would be interesting i gotta say i'm gonna probably give this five out of ten i just want you to be happy (laughs) if you've listened this far you probably think that we are describing a movie that is completely incoherent it's not 
it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Once you get past the fact that no one would ever allow this form of time travel to exist, and you accept the fact that no one in the world seems particularly freaked out about it, then you kind of just roll with it. The plot itself, it makes sense, it adds up, it's clearly just using the gimmick of time travel as an excuse to examine relationships, the idea of paths not traveled, how we construct memories, and so forth. All this heady shit, but it's not done with any fun, it's not done with any style or any sense of urgency. No panache. No panache. Everybody speaks in this sort of flat monotone. Everybody in this movie seems to be suffering, but quietly and internally. And it just doesn't get dramatically interesting, which is too bad, because clearly John Ridley's only real interest is dealing with the dramatic situation inherent within his concept. But it's not dramatic at all. So you don't have the fun of a time travel movie, and you don't have the dramatics that are required for some kind of soul-searching, romantic film about lost lives. It's just a misfire all across the board. I get why this has been sitting on a shelf. I get why they've had a hard time cutting it. There's a lot of talented people involved in this movie. I know they'll do good work in the future. This just doesn't measure up. It really doesn't. I can't recommend this to anyone. I was just bored to tears. I'm going to give this... Three out of ten wasted opportunities for someone to wake up and go, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. I mean, this shit writes itself, people. Come on. If you were bored to tears, that's more emotion than we saw in the movie. There you go. I really was doing most of the heavy lifting. I I was the one trying to emote through this whole thing. I feel like they were trying to do, like, the fountain you know, which is also very like chill and kind of like really deep. But instead of having like the symbolism of that tree, the tree of life, they had the circle. I don't even remember the circle. There were circles. Oh everywhere. yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. She starts off. Yeah, she starts off talking about their love is like a circle. Mm-hmm. Time is like a circle. It's like Matthew McConaughey going, "Time is a flat circle." But then the rest of the show is interesting. That movie was interesting. <laughs> This movie doesn't do that. God damn it, I'm so bored, I can't even think of a good outro. Marco, where we're going, we don't need outros. (laughs) I might go with that one.